Hey, I'm John. And I'm Becky. And this is the We Are For Good podcast. Nonprofits are faced with more challenges to accomplish their missions and the growing pressure to do more, raise more, and be more for the causes that improve our world. We're here to learn with you from some of the best in the industry, bringing the most innovative ideas, inspirational stories, all to create an impact uprising. So welcome to the good community. We're nonprofit professionals, philanthropists, world changers, and rabid fans who are striving to bring a little more goodness into the world. So let's get started. Welcome, welcome. Howdy. John, it's board day. It is board day. Who wants to get bored? Dad joke number one, <laughs> right out of the gate, first and You just seconds. can't not, when you're going to talk about boards, just have a good dad joke moment. And I don't want people tuning out because they think, oh, they're talking about boards. Boards are just this daunting, boring, sort of necessary evil because we got an expert on today who is going to revolutionize the way you think about boards. Board, wherever they're at. Yeah. So, I mean, I am so thankful that we have um, really a Georgia icon, a Georgia peach in the house today. <laughs> Crystal Cherry is joining us and she is the quintessential expert on boards. So She's much actually so. actually the board pro. Yeah. Actually the board She pro. has branded herself, which of course we love the board pro and there's got to be one person on this earth that's got to be the professional (laughs) at this because the rest of us don't want to do it but crystal is going to get us excited today because we've all been sitting in a board meeting at some point and it can be the most awkward tension slicing just kind of it's just not a comfortable feeling when you're staff sitting in at a board meeting and they can be either the most productive um, sort of um, experiences, or they can just be something where you're sitting there getting talked at, and there's not actually a lot of action and productivity going on. And so we're going to get into the heart of that today, but I just want to do uh, a quick intro to Crystal because she has such an impressive resume. She is a nationally recognized nonprofit executive, and she is a professionally trained fundraiser. She's been in the nonprofit sector over 20 years in higher ed, human services, faith-based missions, and now she is president, CEO, and chairman, I just added some of those, CEO, (laughs) of the Board Pro. It's this awesome (laughs) consulting firm designed to transform leaders through board service, and so she kind of takes this very customized approach to it, and we're just excited about visiting with you today. And the thing I love most about your resume is you have a master's in counseling, Crystal. (laughs) Yes. I so mean, unique and awesome. Yeah, it yeah. is. I, it, to me, it makes me feel like you are probably an innate listener and a <laughs> humanizer, and I just think that's great. So welcome to the We Are For Thank Good podcast. Thank you so much. I love that. Thank you so much. Yes, being a counselor certainly helps. I'm a mom, so it certainly helps yep. that. <laughs> means know, you're 24-7 counselor. When you're working with donors, you have to listen. So That's absolutely. it. Absolutely. And yes. so we like to give people sometimes a shout out to give a chance for you to shout out to your alma mater. So okay. tell us where you where you got your degree from. I got two degrees. I received the, my first degree from Hofstra University in Ooh, Long Island, New, New York. York. New York. Yeah. Really? <laughs> I'm a New Yorker. Uh-huh. And then I received a master's degree in counseling from Hampton University um, in Hampton, Virginia. Oh, so that's wonderful. Wow, that's awesome. Yes. Excellent. So let's just dive right in. Tell us a little bit about your career journey and what led you to sort of having this interest in uh, boards. Sure, sure, sure. So I thought I was going to be a college president, you guys. I got my master's (laughs) degree in education with a slant in college counseling, and I thought, yes, I'm on my way. 
uh, was working at American University and befriended a woman who worked there in the development office. And she started talking to me about fundraising. And uh, one day said, you know, you should be a fundraiser. And I'm absolutely not. I'm not interested. I'm going to be a college president. I'm going to change young minds. That's what I thought. <laughs> And then she kept talking to me and convinced me one day to, to consider a role. And so I accepted my first role in development there. Uh, I was the assistant director of development and alumni relations at the College of Arts and Sciences at American Go A&S. Yep, we're mm-hmm. alums of the Arts and Sciences College. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Oh, so interesting. So I had a great. really great time really building out the alumni chapter there. They didn't have one. And so I had an opportunity to re-engage folks who had graduated from there and bring them back to campus. And we had had so many new developments happen since they left. And um my, my fondest memory is that we did a reunion of some of the uh, art majors who were there in the 60s and they were oh theater gosh. majors and so they were really artsy fartsy kind of people and they came <laughs> back and they were still artsy fartsy they still had long <laughs> hair and the jesus sandals and earrings in their ears and tattoos on their arms it was so mad cool my kind oh of people. i love it john <laughs> you you have found your community had married right out of college and now had divorced and remarried and were there with their spouses it was really kind of strange but it was fun yes <laughs> yes I, that's fantastic back on campus to raise money for the new theater and we were able to do so so that was a great experience i love the and then arts. it just sucks you in yes. you know yeah and Can't so you, you kind of caught that bug that we all did and let me say we all are trying to not go quietly into that good night of fundraising none of us <laughs> Most of us probably never meant to fall into this world, um, but I'm so glad you did because you've had just such a long and illustrious career um, you. leading you to this venture that you have now. So talk yeah, to us about the so board pro. I, you know, I weave my way in and out of fundraising in the higher ed space for many years, working for multiple um, institutions, and it was awesome. I worked for um, American, as I mentioned, at several HBCUs, historically black colleges and universities, and that was absolutely awesome. You know, when I worked at the United Negro College Fund, I got to meet a lot of celebrities like Lionel Richie and Whitney Houston. Oh my, oh my gosh, gosh, I love yes. the Commodores. Yes. Awesome. Mm-hmm. And, awesome. Um, and um, then I adopted a baby and decided to take a break <gasps> and, um, and took a year off. And then when I came back, I decided to work in the seminary space, which was very different, having worked now with bishops and pastors and elders and churches and things. And it was just very interesting. So having to raise money in that space and helping them to kind of formalize fundraising so that it's not just picnics and, you know, offerings (laughs) where you pass the hat, you know, so that was interesting. And then after a while, I decided, you know what, I'm going to go into human services. And, um, started working with homeless families, which was very, very interesting mm. and very rewarding. I actually worked in the shelter where the families lived and got a chance to see them come in off the street and then leave, you know, with their heads up high and ready to start their new lives. And so that was oh, great. Oh, so that's incredible. That stuff, and then I decided to move into consulting and uh, became a consultant. And that was awesome because I got to go in and behind the scenes learn about what was going on in nonprofits and give them the counsel and support that they needed. So what an awesome journey you had. And I love that you in your consulting journey, you really just kind of camped out and said, I'm going to put my stake in the ground around boards because you know, it's for some of us, it's like a necessary evil because we've had positive and negative experiences. So I'd love to hear, you know, what drew you in specifically to say, I want to be known in this space and I really want to serve really well in this space for boards. So after, you know, after leaving the the sector myself working as a a frontline fundraiser, I kept thinking to myself, 
you know, because you have this kind of have this love hate relationship with fundraising. Should I stay? Should I go? It's good work. I don't know. So I say, how can I stay in this space and make an impact? And I just kept thinking about like you guys, the board meetings that I sat in where people were checking their emails and trying to figure out what they're having for dinner, uh, falling asleep. <laughs> and I just thought, oh my God, these people are so not engaged. And that's because we're not doing a good job of engaging them. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> we can't blame them, you know? Yeah. And so um, I really started thinking like, who is in this room and who can make a difference? I mean, boys, there's 1.3 million nonprofits in the United States. That's 1.3 million nonprofit boards, wow. right? That's a lot. Who yes. have powerful decisions to make about millions of lives. They have a lot of power. And a lot of them don't understand the power that they have. They're not empowered to do good work. And so I just started thinking about that. And I was like, this is where I can have an impact. I can go in and show boards the good that they can do with the power that they have as boards and help them to be engaged with the nonprofit beyond just coming and sitting in a board, board meeting five o'clock on a Thursday evening for an hour and a half. You know, you go, you're going through the agenda. You, you know, you say yay and nay on some of the policies and then you bounce out and then we don't hear from you again until next month when we're all scurrying around at, in, inside the office. Oh God, the board's coming, the board's coming. You know, we're Make making packets. a million copies, you can a hundred copies of all that same documents over and over again and they don't read them. Yes. <laughs> Oh my God. So this got to be a different way to do this. And so I thought this is where I can put my energy and my passion for nonprofit work back into the sector and do good. So that is why I decided to choose it. And I just, I just, in talking to boards, I realized how many of them are just clueless about what they've signed up for. Well, I love have- <laughs> You're totally right. I heard, you know, you say this right when you let in and I think it's really good to pull it out is that, you know, it's easy to immediately say, oh, I have a disengaged board. That's my problem. It's the board members. That's absolutely the opposite of what you're saying is you've got a disengaged board, start engaging them. Like the problem maybe starts with you and how you're doing that. So it it puts it into an active instead of passive role to say, there's something you can lean in and do and change. So I'd love to, to pass it to you and kind of walk us through those things. Like what are some ways that you can build an engaged board if you don't today? Yeah. And so, I mean, and I always tell boards, you have rights. It's not, this is not a one-way relationship. Of course, we want you to give your volunteers, you signed up to do this work, but you're here for a reason as well. And so the, I think that where we start is we have to know who our board members are, you know? And so I often, I remember when I signed onto a board a couple of years ago, after being on the board for a couple of months, I called the board chair and I said, I've been on the board for three months and you've not called me for coffee at all. You don't even know who I am. And she uh, was so embarrassed and apologetic. And I said, I'm not calling you to call you out. I'm just you know, calling you to say that I joined this board for a reason. I want to be involved. I want to be engaged. And the only way that I'm going to do so is until, unless you reach out to me to find out what I'm passionate about, why I've signed up for this board. What, how much time do I have? Where, where can I make the best impact? And you're not going to know that if you don't ever reach out to me. And so I think the onus starts in the beginning with the onboarding process, how we bring people onto the board. You know, if you, there's a welcome call from the chair or from other board members, you know, how this person is announced and introduced to the organization, whether there's an email to staff, whether the picture goes on the website, whether there's a shout out on Facebook, you want to make me feel welcomed, right? Because I don't know these people, right? I joined this mission because I'm excited about it, but I don't know these people. And if you really want me to be authentic and be able to give all of my good self right? Then you need to make me feel comfortable at the onset. If I come on and no one's really saying anything to me, we're in a board meeting and you don't really know who people are sitting next to you, 
uh, it's not going to be a good experience. And so from the onset, I think we have a responsibility to bring them in, make them feel welcome and buddy them up with someone who's been on the board for many years, right? Maybe two or three years who can give them, hey, I got you back. I'll let you know. I'll tell you about that person later. <laughs> I'll tell you who the allies and the alligators are on the board. Oh, allies and alligators. Oh my gosh, that's going to be a hashtag for this. That's hilarious. <laughs> so, but I think we have a responsibility to make them feel welcomed and to help them to understand the culture of the board and the organization. Bring staff in to, to, to meet these folks because there have been some boards who would pass staff members in the mall and not know who they were. And that's just horrible. You should know who works for the organization that you're serving and you're leading and you're governing. So I think onboarding definitely. And then once you get them on board, I've often heard board members say, we want to help. We just don't know what to do. We just keep telling us we have to raise money. We have to raise money. We have to raise money, which you should. They do have to raise money. But there are other things they can do to be engaged besides just raising money. And so when I was a, a chief development officer, I sent out weekly emails to my board and said, these are the things that I need this week. I need a letter signed. I need two thank you notes written. I need a call to, um, to a grants manager. I have a grant um, that's going out that needs to be reviewed. I just need a, a pair of eyes on it before it goes out. Would you mind doing that? You know, I'm going to meet with a big donor. I would love to take you with me. Um, I'm going over to the shelter to check on one of the kids. Would you, would you accompany me on that? You know, and so give them things that they can do. And it's not an ongoing commitment. It's just what I have for that week. So maybe this week you have a little extra time. So you can make that phone call. You can write that letter. You can come over to the shelter and, and meet with the child with me. You, can, you may not be able to do that next week, but this week you're free. So every week I made it easy for you. You're not sure what to do. Let me tell you what I need. <laughs> I and I provided like... them with a menu of opportunities of ways that they can give back. And then I thank them profusely once they did. I just so, feel yeah. like what you have said here in, in five minutes time has completely shifted my mentality already <laughs> of the way I've looked at boards. And there's so much to drill down into. And, and the thing that I keep thinking about is just what you said is we work so hard in development to build meaningful relationships with our donors, with our constituents, why are we not building those same meaningful relationships? We, that's almost our starting point is those internal constituents. And I think one of the other things that you said that I think is so, that is such a negative pervasive culture in nonprofit is not allowing staff into the board meeting. I have seen this feeling other than because, you know, certain organizations that people work for, it's like only the executive director and maybe the chief development officer get to go into that as a sacred space. And it's like, right. no, we want them to come to know and learn about all of us, what each of us are bringing to the table. This is not an exclusive club when we go in here and shut the door. You know, this is something that I think we, we need to do, like to involve all of the staff. And I, I know that's been an issue at, at different places that we've worked at. So how, how would you um, recommend, you know, getting more staff to the table and, and having that not just be a, a warm body at the table, but somebody who's actually contributing something that boards can actually grow from or lean into to help? Can you talk a little bit about that? 
Yeah. So, um, so a couple things. So I often it's the, it's the executive director or CEO who is making that decision, right? Because mm -hmm. a lot of times they want to control the message to right. the board, right? Mm -hmm. So they want to go in and present this really rosy picture about what's going on inside the organization. And so they don't want uh, the board or the staff who some might be disgruntled. They don't want them in the room. I mean, the executive <laughs> team is in the room sometimes, but just general staff, they don't want them in the room because they want to control the message, right? And so um, to me, that would be a question if, I, if, I, if a board member says, well, how come staff are never allowed and the CEO doesn't give them a good answer? Then I would question a little bit about that. So I, that's the first thing. But I think what I've done is to try to counter that because I was aware of that is that we instituted mission moments in our board meetings. And so every, every we, at the onset of every meeting, because we had food and you know it was, we tried to put a little, little social activity in the beginning. I played soft music. Like, I'm like, look at here. People have worked hard and long all day. They've fought traffic. Often we'd be in some kind of weird place right across from some big parking lot where the traffic was hard to get to. People get there, they get there, they're, <laughs> come on in. There's soft music playing. We got food. And then we would start out our meeting off with a mission moment where I would invite someone from the program team or someone from the staff who's done something wonderful for the week. And I'd have, we'd share that moment and we'd have the staff person who was involved there to actually celebrate that moment with us. And so that the, the board could hear the good news and see the person who was responsible for that, right? And that permeates out from the organization. So in this particular case, inside the organization, we had a Bravo board in the break room, right? And so a Bravo board is just a big cork board with stick pins and paper where you could actually write out the accomplishments of your staff. Like, thank you so much for getting that, you know, that project in by deadline, or you rock for staying late on Friday night to help me with so-and-so, or congratulations on that win. And so those are some of the wins that we take off the Bravo board and take into the board meeting. Right. Nice. And so this is a this is a culture where we're celebrating wins and we're giving props to the people who are making things happen. You want to make them feel like they're part of the story. They're part of all the accomplishments that are happening. And we let the board see that. So that's to me, that's a good win win. And my, my boss went for that. And so that was one way for me to kind of get people in through the back door. That is that. such a brilliant idea. The <laughs> Bravo board. I mean, because because it really does just invite such an easy conversation. Hey, Crystal, I saw that you closed a gift. Tell me a little bit about that. I mean, such an easy entry point for a board member to engage with a staff member to learn a little bit more. And then the relationship gets richer. You know, I think that what a great quick little hack. I hope you guys wrote that down at home because I know I just buried <laughs> so it in <good>. my brain. <laughs> so Crystal, help us through this uh, question. So thinking a lot of boards, um, you know, obviously at the best case, they are fundraisers alongside you, right? You're going to use them as fundraisers to open doors and to have you know, these important conversations with prospective donors. How do you get a board to that place if they don't really see themselves as fundraisers? I know a lot of people struggle if they've got board members that may have been on for years, but they aren't really helping move the needle in that sense. How do you bring somebody along um, to that place to become an active helper in the fundraising process? Right. And so what we do is, you know, what I normally do is take the fear out of fundraising, right? And so everyone thinks fundraising is the F word, and it really isn't. <laughs> <laughs> I have not ever oh heard that. Oh, my gosh. That needs to be somehow wow. put on branded that? a bumper sticker or on a pillow and put in my study. Yes. <laughs> well, so, so, 
let me just let me just stop here. So for me, fundraising is my ministry. It's you know to me, it's part of my purpose and why I believe God has me here. He has me here to do good works, right? He has me here to make a difference for other people. And this fundraising industry, and this is why I could not get away from it because every time I tried to get pulled away from it, I was just thinking, this there's good work in this, right? And so in my mind and how I think about fundraising is. The gifts that we have are gifts that God gave us in the first place, right? And so when we invest them back, we're sowing back into the kingdom. So in my mind, it's all about abundance. I believe there's enough he enough here on this earth so that we all can have what we need, right? And we talk a lot about needs and wants. And so when they say, oh, I'm not a fundraiser, I say, oh, you absolutely are. When you're in the, in the store and you're looking for eggs and there is none and you go and you ask the manager, um, <laughs> is there eggs in the back? You're fundraising. You're asking for what you want and for what you need. When your child has an issue at school and you're not happy with your child's teacher and you go into the school and you say to the principal, I demand to meet with my son's teacher, you're asking for what you want. You're getting your needs met, right? So in, in, in our everyday lives, we're fundraising all the time. We're advocating for ourselves. We're at, when you feel passionate about something, no one has to give you a script. Right. Yeah. When you when you wow. go in and you know that your child deserves this kind of education, you go in boldly. You don't ask for permission. You don't call a girlfriend to ask her what she thinks. You go in and you say, look at here. My child needs the service. We demand it. We have a right to have it. So I think you have to have that same kind of boldness in yourself when you go to ask for someone. If you're passionate about the mission, if it, if it resonates with you, if you know you're changing lives, if it's a ministry for you and you know that God has put you in a position to help other people, then you go into a room very boldly and you say, I love this organization. And let me tell you how you can make an impact on, on the long, the long lasting story of this organization. So I think I just give, I, I help to kind of disarm them and say, if you feel really good about the work that we're doing, don't get nervous. Pretend you're going to your child's school and you're asking for what your child deserves. It's the same thing. And people kind of look at me like, I never thought about it like that. And I says, exactly. So let's take the fear out of it. It's not. And by the time you've done all the homework and we've cultivated this person, we've called them, we've sent the Christmas card, they've been to the gala, they know that ask is coming. This shouldn't be a surprise. And so if we do our work the right way, by the time we go to make the ask, the person is expecting us to ask. And guess what? If they say no, it's okay, because it's a question. <laughs> would you give to our organization? The answer is yes or no, right? And so if they say no, you know, you don't get mad and stomp your feet because you've been working on this donor for a whole year and they've not made a donation and you, you're just angry. You just, you just say, that's absolutely okay. I understand. Is it okay if we revisit this again in three months? Should we come back and talk to you after your daughter's graduated from college? We understand right now funds might be tight. Most time people will let you know. And if they say, you know what, absolutely not, I'm not interested, we bless, we release them, and we keep it moving. Hey friends, we hope you're enjoying this conversation. Want to dive deeper? Head over to weareforgood.com backslash hello to join our mailing list, The Good Community, and start embracing innovation and goodness. You'll be connected to all the resources, tips, tools, and show notes shared here. It's a treasure trove of freebies and maybe even some complimentary swag. Now let's get back to this awesome feel-good conversation. <laughs> okay, if you're not watching this on YouTube, because I, I know was about, about 10, to go to this. Thank you for saying you it. Need Keep going. To, you need to watch Crystal on YouTube because I'm just like soaking up your passion, enthusiasm, <laughs> mm -hmm. love that comes through your face. Smiling. Of just, like when you're saying the hardest things, you are smiling. I feel like I'm in the mm, best therapy session know, of right? my life. <laughs> 
And <laughs> I, I am just nodding at everything that you're saying because, you know, this, we shouldn't walk into this environment with fear because you're right. It's such a gift that we be, that we are able to be in this position to transact these things that improve our world, that make life better, that help human connection and kindness. It's like, we are, we are not fearful. We should not look at it as an F word. We should look at it as the gift that it truly is. And I just think that is a very centering um, and hopeful message. And it really puts an impetus on the nonprofit professional or the human, wherever you are in the world, that, you know, your role in whatever you're contributing is helping move this greater good forward. You just have to find your voice and step out there. Um, and Julie, I know you were going to talk yes, about, I need such a good question Crystal. about it. So I'm 24. There are probably some young professionals listening to this that the thought of walking into a boardroom gives them the nervous sweats. Hives. Yes. <laughs> How does someone who is 24 hold their own at a board table, look a board chair in the eye, like just give our young professionals some advice of how we can hold our own at this big, scary board table? <laughs> well, yeah, you know, I, you know, so first of all, you know, what I always tell myself when I'm fearful about anything is that, you know, you push through the fear and do it anyway, right? Mm-hmm. You just like, uh, you just admit to yourself, I'm scared to death, you know, but I'm going to have enough confidence that I know what I need to say, right? Mm-hmm. And so I just say to any young professional, acknowledge how you're feeling. Like, I am really nervous right now. Like, I'm 24. You guys are all old heads. And you've been in this business for a long time that I knew, right? And so, Wouldn't that endear you, too, if you heard that as a board Seriously. member? like that, Because you remember that when you were 24, for sure. Right. I think you just let people know how you're feeling and just, you know, explain to them that you're feeling a little nervous, Mm -hmm. but whatever it is that you went in to say, stand strong in that. Don't back down or don't feel, you know, intimidated because folks in the room, everybody learns from everyone. And, you know, a 55 year old person can learn from a 24. Lord knows the world is so different now. Mm -hmm. We have to listen to young people to figure out just what the heck is going on. So, (laughs) you know, every person is a student. And Mm -hmm. so you go in boldly knowing what you know, and then what you don't know, you ask questions and be humble about it. Right. Well, and just the opportunity to leverage those relationships. I got to sit in our boardroom just taking minutes, and I felt like I was able to meet these board members that I would never probably interact with in my normal professional life. So I guess just encouragement to people like me is take advantage of those moments and ask them about their careers, ask them about their experiences. But, yeah, that that makes me feel better. (laughs) Julie, ask them about their kids, because if they're in their 50s, they probably have children your age, right? Yeah. I know some of their grandkids or their kids <laughs> or their don't pets. Don't get them started. Don't yeah. get them started telling you about, you know, you mentioned something about you, you, you like a certain sports team or you like to cook or you like to dance. And next thing you know, they're telling you about their granddaughter and how she went to dance class and your, your son played football when he was in college. And next thing you know, you have this whole conversation going and there are commonalities that are going to bring you together to keep that conversation going. They're people, right? And so just build relationships with them like you with anybody else. I love that. Young professionals, write all that down. (laughs) (laughs) So Crystal, I wonder if you would share a powerful story of you've had such an amazing career and had so many good experiences, but just a moment that philanthropy has come full circle, maybe through board leadership or maybe another um, aspect of your career. Hmm. Well, you know, I, I, early on in my career, and I think it was one of the, the very first experiences many, many moons ago, but it still sticks with me today. So I was working at the University of the District of Columbia in Washington, D.C. I was their new director of development. 
Um, and that department had been defunct for about five years. So everything was closed up. When I walked into the development office, it literally had cobwebs in the door. Um, and so I had to really- Welcome, we're glad you're here. <laughs> That's what it says. <laughs> yes. So I literally had to kind of come in and start everything over again. So I was going through some records and I found some money sitting in an account. Um, it was twenty-five dollars or $30,000. Um, and apparently it started out to be uh, uh, an endowed scholarship um, that a family member was starting for a deceased student who had died prematurely, who was a student at the school. And the idea was that they wanted to start a family scholarship to endow her, her in her name and in her honor. But at the school, in order for you to endow a scholarship, uh, the minimum amount is like 150 grand, right? And, you know, this, this man who... <clears throat> who started was the husband of the, of the person who passed away. He had tapped into all of his family members and friends and all. And I got to this 25 or $30,000 and could not raise anymore and just left it alone. So this money had been sitting in this account for years. And so for some reason, I don't know why this resonated with me, but I reached out to the husband and I told him who I was and that, you know, we had this money sitting in an account and he, he was like, well, yeah, that was, you know, many years ago and we weren't able to raise the funds. And so we just decided to let it go. And I'm like, we can't let it go. We can't, we, we have to do this. And so <clears throat> I immediately started doing my homework and I went over to the department where the student was learning, was um, getting her degree. And I met some of the teachers who remembered the student and they were telling me how wonderful she was and how passionate she was about the work there and all. And so I just came up with this campaign and just decided we're going to raise this money to get this scholarship done for this family. And I got the whole college involved. We got all the faculty involved. I went on the radio there in DC. We talked about the student, her passion for it. You know, we got emeritus faculty involved, students involved, and we raised $150,000. And the day that we presented the big check to the university, all of her family and friends flew in from different places to present this check. And it was like a family reunion of sorts, many of whom had not seen each other since she had passed away. And the tears and this, the, the, the people were so grateful that, you know, they were like, we don't know why you did this, but thank you, thank you, thank you. And that just, I mean, and that was, God, 15 years ago, but that just stuck with me mm -hmm. that, um, that I could do something. And I was, I don't know, I, sometimes I, I get my, uh, my, my mind around something and I won't let it go. But this particular case, I'm like, we are going to raise this money for this family. They were not relatives of mine or anything like that, but I just felt moved to try to finish this up. And because we rallied the community and we got everybody involved, we had t-shirts made. I mean, it was a big deal to raise this money. And that seeing the family and their faces and the tears and all just made it all worthwhile. That is the memory that I will never forget. And again, that's God's work, you know? So um, again, I feel like I was pleasing God and this was something that I can do. My own little self can go in and make this impact on lots of people. And then because this money would sit forever and ever, now students for years to come will be able to benefit from, from this woman and because of you know who she was. And so that's a story that has stays with me. Oh, gosh. <laughs> like the largest exhale because this is this is something that I keep seeing as sort of um, a recurring theme in fundraising. When we ask people about moments that stand out, it is so rare, rarely, specifically a gift officer, you don't talk about the multi-million dollar gifts you pulled down. Yeah. It's the ones that are so humanizing. It's the stories where it's not just a scholarship. This isn't a scholarship. This is a story about a woman and a woman who was so passionate about this particular area. And it and to me, 
that is the gift of philanthropy because it's not just the scholarship that you're taking forward. It's like, hey, student, freshman, incoming freshman from wherever you are in the world, you're coming in and you're getting the scholarship. And it's not just this sort of nebulous, you know, money that flew out of a fund and into your account. This is, this was made because this woman did X and immediately you're connected to that person for life. You're connected to that family. And that's, that's a family that came into a space and helped you get your degree. I mean, the power in that story is so fantastic. And it's, and it underscores everything that we try to say just about how do you simplify and humanize your message? How do you wrap a story around what we're doing in this business because it's the stories we remember. It's not the million dollar, the $10 million, the endowed chair this. It's like it was about her. So that is such a great and powerful story. I feel like the thread of passion with you is just evident in every story. (laughs) She's like a magnet to it. She's finding these passion stories too and figuring out how to like. It's like how do you fan that? I mean, if you're stuck trying to finish across a goal for fundraising, fan the passion, show up. If you're scared to walk into a boardroom, fan the passion, like bring it up. And mm-hmm. people can't resist that. And I, I, I can just see And be how. real, be vulnerable. I thought that was great advice she gave to Julie. It's like, yeah. say in the moment, I am scared to death. Yeah. <laughs> this is my what first time to, to ever humanize. be to, at a board meeting. Mm-hmm. And immediately you have disarmed the entire room. They're, <laughs> they're seeing you as their daughter, as their granddaughter, as, you know, and, and, it's, and it just creates better connection for us. One of the things I keep thinking about is there's probably a bunch of people that are listening right now whose boards are stuck in a rut. And they have been cycling through year after year doing the same thing over and over. And we fall into this trap a little bit where you have like working boards that are doing all the things of which you have kind of put as our true north today. You know, we want them to go on tours. We want them to make calls to program officers. But, you know, we have a lot of people in nonprofit who have advisory boards, and these people have been on the boards forever. They're not cycling out anytime soon. And so what is some advice you would give to big and little nonprofits alike in terms of how do we reinvigorate our boards? Where's a good starting place? Yeah, so I think the first thing we need to do is make an assessment, right? We need to really, you know, sit down and just let's do a board map and see who's on our board, right? Let's figure out who are these people, right? And then what buckets do they, you know, listen? how many women do we have? How many minorities? What are the age groups? What are the needs that we have on the board? Are our needs being filled by the members who are on the board? Do we have an attorney? Do we have a social media guru? Do we have people who are fundraisers, who are advocates, who are ambassadors, who are connectors on our board? I think we need to do a board map and, and do some overlapping to see who fills what buckets. And then, you know, and then how many people have been on this board for 15 years? Because at some point, you know, <laughs> at some point, it's time to get your hat and exit left. You know, <laughs> it, it's not, you know, and it's, you know, don't get offended or anything because you're being on the board. You've been here. You're fatigued. You've asked everyone you can ask. You have no more good ideas. It's okay. Move over and let someone else come on. You know, it's okay. And that's the purpose of advisory boards. Sometimes when people, you know, you can do it on the front end, on the back end. You can start off being on the advisory board and then roll up onto the board, or you can retire from the board and then roll down into the advisory board capacity. So if you still want to stay involved with the organization, that is what an advisory council can do. It can keep you engaged without you having to actually serve on the board. 
But after 15 years, it might be time for you to say, if you know Julie what? wasn't born and you're still on the board. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I just need to move over and let Julie and some of the 25 year olds come on and bring their energy and their context and the new ways of thinking onto the board. Because we, you know, these days with boards, with nonprofits being in the state that they are, we need some innovation. We need some excitement. We need folks who are not going to be scared to, to communicate virtually anymore, right? Uh, we can, the, the same old letter, the five-page letter that no one reads cannot go out via direct mail one more time. We just cannot do it. Yes. Um, we cannot have the six o'clock in the morning breakfast at the Cobb Energy Center. You know, like, <laughs> this is that, like really, these are the casino night. Can we not do a casino night? Oh my so gosh. You are our people. <laughs> who, these are the things that we're thinking. And young people are looking at us like, are you joking me? Why would really? we do that? <laughs> So I just think at some point we have to decide, okay, let's look at who is on our board. Maybe it's time to make some changes, change the composition. And then particularly now with all the racial stuff going on, do you have women on your board? Do you have people, brown and black people on your board? You know, and then if you're, you know, if you're a homeless shelter, do you have someone on your board who was homeless? Like, let's look at the people who are on our board who can really bring some good energy to the board. And if it's not looking the way we want it to look, let's, let's make some, let's make some changes, right? And then, you, you know, go. what are those bylaws? <laughs> you know, they've been sitting in the drawer for five years. No one's seen them. Let's pull them out. It's time to revise them. Let's take a look. Things are changed. The world has changed. There need to be new rules about how to move people off after they've been on the board for a long time or if they're not doing good work. Who does that? Who, who has that conversation with that person? And then how do we bring somebody in midterm? So I just think we need to just take a good hard look at ourselves and admit everybody on our board is 86 years old. <laughs> there, I, I'm so sad in this moment that Crystal does not live in Oklahoma where I, I could drive go and go have coffee <laughs> and laugh and feel enlightened and uplifted. Um, I mean, there have been so many Crystal Cherry isms today with the allies and alligators. They take your hat, grab your hat and exit left. Um, thank you for bringing, I mean, I, I, you have blown my mind in terms of what I thought this conversation was going to be. It is the opposite of bored, mm -hmm. of bo boring yeah, and bored. It is, it, it was so invigorating. Um, we have one more question for you. It's, it's the one that we ask last with all of our guests. Um, what is your one good thing? Um, advice, counsel, um, I feel like we've gotten about 20 good things here, but yep. if you have something that is sort of your secret sauce, what, what would you offer to our listeners today? Well, I, the first thing I would say is know your why, you know, like know why you're getting up every day and doing this work. You know, why are you sitting on the interstate for 45 minutes going into the office every day or serving on this board? You are an Atlanta, and I can tell with that comment. <laughs> you know, really, I mean, it takes a commitment. Board work yeah. is a commitment. It is a commitment. It's just like a job. When you sign the paper to be a board member, you are committing your time and your energy and your money and your brain cells because our brains are so full with all that's being fed to it all day long, right? Mm -hmm. And you're committing that I'm going to save one little piece of my brain right here where the kids are not there and the bills are not there and the boss is not there. And I'm going to save this piece of my brain right here for the board. Right. And you have to do that. That means when you go into a board meeting, you clear out all that other stuff so that you can focus. So know your why, know your why you're doing this. And if it's not in here, if your heart doesn't throb, 
about going to that board meeting, you're in the wrong spot. Right? Get, this is not the right get on the meeting. right seat on the bus, folks. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so I said definitely that. The second thing is build authentic relationships. Julie, like I was just telling you, go in and say, I'm scared, but I'm here. I want to do this work, right? Just let them know who you are so that they can connect with you. And then the last thing I would say is do your homework, right? Mm -hmm. Figure out what needs to happen in order for you to be successful. If you need to stay abreast of what's going on in your industry, if you're on a board where you're serving a homeless shelter, you need to be reading everything you need to know about homelessness, about the laws, about who's lobbying for it, how, uh, how laws and, and policies are impacting whether people give. I mean, all of those things, do your homework so that when you're out talking to people about what, the work that you do, you can talk to them with confidence, right? Because you know the industry. The worst thing is someone to ask you about where you serve and you have no clue. You have no clue what's going on. And so I say, know your why, build authentic relationships and do your homework. Goodness sakes. I love Three it. good things. <laughs> and really they were all things. incredibly worthy. <laughs> so Crystal, we loved all of this. Can you tell us how we can connect with you? What's the best way to get connected to the board pro? Yeah, so my website is theboardpro.com. Um, and my email is theboardpro at gmail.com. And so those are two wonderful ways that you can connect with me. And I love to talk to anyone who's interested in board work. So as you can see, it's what makes my heart throb. Are you on social media or any LinkedIn or anything like that? I am. Yes, I'm on LinkedIn. I have a social media page on Facebook. So please look me up in both of those places. Absolutely. Awesome. And you have do been... yourself a favor. Go to our YouTube channel and watch this episode because <laughs> it will transform the experience for you because the passion is so infectious totally. and I, I just think your personality is so magnetic and your joy is just effervescent and overflowing and it, I have been smiling and nodding this entire time oh, and um, I just want to make you my BFF so <laughs> that's me being authentic putting myself out there <laughs> will you be I my friend so will you be my friend it's been a joy Thank you. Thank you, Crystal. We appreciate it, Crystal. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you didn't get something out of Crystal's conversation, do us a favor and hit rewind. There were seriously such good nuggets for not only engaging boards, but grabbing hold of our own passion too. Head on over to weareforgood.com slash hello to join our good community. It's our mailing list and where we share our best content, resources, show notes, and more. And if you love what you heard today, would you consider leaving us a rating and review? I know it really does sound crazy, but it helps more people find our community. Thanks. Our production hero is the sunshine in others' lives, Julie Confer. Hey. And our theme song is Sunray by Remy Boersboom. Have a great day. Rabbit fans have always powered the We Are For Good podcast, but now Rabbit fans can get even more goodness and access by joining Good Friends. It's our listener support community for the We Are For Good podcast. Good Friends comes with perks, exclusive episodes with John and I, including The Good Brief, our new monthly cliff notes of the greatest takeaways and lessons learned from that month, and exclusive AMA episodes where we answer your burning questions and tap our community of experts. Join now or learn more at weareforgood.com backslash friends. We can't wait to see you inside. That's weareforgood.com slash friends.